Uh, well, it's 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 great to, to be with you, uh, speaking in this uh, weird situation into silence. Um, I was told last time that um, I spoke, I think it was my son who came on, he says, that was the most sedate preaching I've ever heard you do. Okay, it's probably because I'm sat down. So I'm going to crank it up today. So um, I can't be doing with that. I can't be doing uh, being quiet. This is not my natural, natural being. Um, so I'm going to have to up my game and uh, get back to the noisy animal that I normally am. And uh, so I may stand up a bit. I may walk around a bit. And uh, so you just have to ignore me. Uh, but uh, I really feel I've got something um, from the throne room of grace for you today. You know, there's a there's a prayer that we were taught as children and we still uh, say it in church most weeks. And in fact, the Methodist church where I was going, they say every week. And that is our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. L let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, church, there's a lot of things we say in church that we don't think about. We just say them as rote, you know, and um, sometimes and sometimes when we sing things, we don't really think about what we're singing. We just sing it because we know the song and it's a pretty tune. And we, I would put it to you, we need to sort of, think more about what we say when we pray and when we read the word and when we sing songs we need to get under the skin and get under the bonnet a bit and understand where it's coming from and you know when I was um, uh, at another church years and years ago there used to be this guy and he was a lovely guy and he always used to pray let your kingdom come let your will be done and I used to think, well, that's pretty lame. You know, I used to think, well, that's okay. That's theologically okay, but that's pretty lame. You know, it's like, but, you know, over the years, I've come to realize that's a smart prayer to pray. Let your kingdom come. So I did a bit of analysis on um, let your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom to come on this earth. Now, that's a, not a bad start, is it? For God's kingdom to come to this earth. Well, he did once in the name of Jesus Christ, which was a fantastic uh, moment in history. And, and look at the legacy that he's left behind with his Holy Spirit. And we are not alone this morning. If you feel alone in any way, shape or form, I want to tell you, folks, you're not alone. Christ is here by his Holy Spirit. And that's amazing that uh, his kingdom came to this earth and he didn't leave it void he left with his holy spirit remaining and yet we still have access to father god through his son jesus christ but the prayer for me and the challenge for me in this was your kingdom to come more in my life i want your kingdom to come more in my life to really understand a little bit more about his rule to really understand a little bit more about his lordship how much do i allow god to 
have kingdom in my life? And what barriers do I put up to say, well, actually, you can have this bit, but um, I'm holding back that bit because uh, that's mine. And uh, not too comfortable about you coming in there. But uh, so that's a challenge, isn't it? To, to, to say, is the Lord actually the king of your life? Do you allow his kingdom to come into your life? And if not, why not? And in those areas where you shun him, if you like, or you sort of say, well, I'm not really comfortable up there. How's that working out for you? Maybe it could be better. Maybe um, if you allowed the kingship to come into your life, maybe life might be a little better. It might be a better, better in, in your relationships. It might be better in your experience. It might be better with your patience. It might be better with your love. It might be better with your outpouring. Folks, I want to challenge you this morning. Allow the kingdom of God to come into your life. Let him rule in your life. Let him rule in every area of your life. Let's, folks, let's not have a, a watered-down version of Christianity. Let's have it full on. Full on this morning. I want everything that God has got for me. I don't want to miss out on whatever God has in store for me. I don't want to um, pass by the opportunities that God gives me. I don't want to miss hearing his voice speaking into my life. I don't want to ignore the rebuke and the challenge when the Holy Spirit speaks to me through his word or through circumstances or through individuals. The Lord loves those. So he rebukes them from time to time. It's horrible to think, but you know what? He rebukes us sometimes because he loves us. And I want the full width of God in my life. And I know there is more to come. I, know, I don't care how long you've been on this journey with God. There is more. There is more. You cannot exhaust what God has got for you. I said to myself, I may go off script. So I've already gone off. So there you go. I've already off. But I'll try to go back. Your will, not mine. Your will, not mine. Not me trying to bend my will into your will. Your will be done in my life and in your life. That's my prayer this morning. Do you would allow God to let his will be done in your life? Because you know what? He knows better than we do. He's the Alpha and Omega. He sees the beginning and the end. He knows what's coming around the corner. And I think maybe it might be a better choice to say, you know what, Lord, you know everything. You're omnipresent. You're omniscient. Lord, I give it over to you. I have not got a clue. I have not got a clue. But you know all things, Lord. So let your will be done in my life. Let go of selfish ambitions. Let go of selfish desires, which often just bring us frustration, unhappiness, 
Seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. That means right with God. And he will give you everything you need. We all know the, sta the statement, not everything you want, but he will give you everything that you need. I came across a little item on the BBC. And um, as I was praying a while back what to say, this is it. And this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. So it was a story about a butterfly for all you people who love nature and spring watch and all that stuff. Um, this butterfly is called a heath fritillary. And I wish I got a picture of it. Check it out sometime. Uh, it's a lovely little thing, black and gold. And uh, it's beautiful. When the wings fold up, absolutely amazing. But this butterfly is close to extinction in the UK. And there's an organization called Woodlands Trust and their efforts discovered a new population. Note, they didn't create the new population. They discovered it. It's really interesting that uh, you understand that. This rare butterfly needs very a very special set of conditions to thrive. It only lays its eggs on a certain plant, a plant called the common cow wheat plant. But this plant is very slow to spread and he relies on, and here's the thing, he relies on wood ants to carry its seeds to new areas. Think of that phrase. This is the prophetic word of God for you this morning. To carry its seeds to new areas. To carry its seeds to new areas. Do you know that you have a unique positioning of God? Do you know that you have unique relationships with others? Do you know that you have unique opportunities only available to you? I'm going to turn this to a uh, passage of scripture, uh, Romans 12. If you want to turn to that, um, I'm not going to read all of it, but the, I just want to refer to a few verses. It says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Point number one. Dedicate your lives to God. Dedicate your lives to God. Joyce Meyer puts it like this. Not just our possessions, money time, energy, and efforts, but also our bodies, heads, hands, tongues, and even our minds, emotions, and attitude. You see, in verse 2, which I won't read, God has a plan in mind for you. God has a plan in mind for you and me. Isn't that great? That God has a perfect 
individually tailored plan for you and for me. Just remember your uniqueness and your unique positioning. And in that positioning, God has something individually planned, tailored just for you. The Amplified in verse two says, be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Do you want to know the will of God for you this morning? Well, I do. I'll give you a clue. Start with your head. Start with your head. Renew that mind this morning. Chuck out all the garbage, wipe the side clean and say, Lord, fill my mind, transform my mind. I am sick and tired of looking at things with my cynical spirit that has been washed over by this society and brainwashed me into believing a load of rubbish and accepting what is said. Folks, we need to rise up and we need to speak up and we need to stand up for Jesus this morning and we need to refer to the word of God, not to the Daily Telegraph, not to the Sun or the Times or whatever garbage you might want to read. I am sick and tired of being told how to live my life by those who have no idea about God. Refer to the word of God, fix your head and get the will of God sorted for you. Verse three says, don't think more highly of yourselves. I'm talking to me now because I am one big ego and you'll have to forgive me. Um, don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought, but think according. Here's the thing. Think according to the measure of faith that God has distributed to every man. Do you know God has distributed faith to each one of us? Ooh, that sounds interesting. So are you saying that God doesn't give the same amount of faith to everyone? No, he doesn't. He says he distributes it according to. To, the, to how he wants. So God will give some faith to some. Don't you ever get frustrated sometimes? I know I do. And you look at great men and great women of God, and you think, how on earth have they got that faith? How on why have I? Why haven't I got that amount of faith? Because God has allocated the faith that he thinks is appropriate. But you might say this morning, but I want more faith. How can I get more faith? Faith. Well, we know that the word of God says, if you read the word of God, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If you want more faith, <coughs> folks, get into the word of God. Get the word of God into your spirit and speak it out in situations. Verse 14. <coughs> Excuse me, I'll have a drink. I'm laying a foundation here in all these scriptures because we're going to come on to something else in a minute. So verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. 
Just remember that one. Bless those who persecute you. Verse 17 says, repay no one evil for evil. Verse 20, here's a challenging one. Feed your enemy. Give him a drink when he's thirsty. And that way you will heap coals on his head. There's a story we probably learned many, many years ago about uh, a mom and, his, and her son. And her son was being bullied at school. Something horrible. And there's, the, there's always the school bully, isn't there? And uh, you probably faced one. I faced one. And certainly my kids faced them. And then it's not nice, is it? But this bully was relentless. He used to pinch the kids' money, his, his lunch, beat him up and stuff like that. And he used to come back to his mom and cry and show him the evidence of what had gone on. And, uh, you know, as a parent, you can get really sort of, oh, I'll have them, I'll have them, I'll have them. But just remember those scriptures I've read to you. Uh -huh. So what does the wise mother does? She invites the bully to tea. She invites the bully to tea. And the bully says, what? Me? You want me to come round to tea, to your house? Yes, she said. Yes, I want you to come round. Anyway, long story short, he comes to tea. His whole heart is changed because the mother has showed him kindness and given him tea. And suddenly the bully is now the boy's, the victim, his best mate. And no longer does he bully him, but he protects him. Go figure, eh? But the word of God says, feed your enemy, give him a drink when he's thirsty, and that way you will heap coals of head, uh, coals onto his head. But here's the thing. I want us to turn to 2 Kings 5. How are we doing for time? My goodness, 25 past already. This is a story of Naaman, a well-known story. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to give you the headlines. I'm sure many of you will know the story. This is a story of Naaman, who is a famous uh, army captain, very well thought of, um, but he got leprosy. And basically, uh, he's got a girl who's a servant in his household, who knows of Elisha, the prophet, and he, she tells uh, the mistress to say, why don't you get Naaman to go and see uh, the prophet and he, he, he will cure you. And uh, Naaman tells the king about it. The king sends a letter. Uh, the king of Israel gets uppity because he, he thinks the king of Israel has got to cure him himself. Elisha heals of it, hears of it, says, don't worry, send him to me. Um, we'll cure him or God will cure him. So um, Naaman goes uh, and Elisha basically tells him what to do. Naaman doesn't like it, refuses. Servants tell him he's a muppet and basically he goes back and does what Elisha says. He gets healed and the story goes on. That's like a quick overview of the story. I want to change the title of this story. Thinking of that ant. Don't forget that ant. Okay. Right. This is the story of the little girl. Brackets and Naaman. 
Okay? This is the story of the little girl. I want you to be that little girl this morning. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of that little girl. I said that Naaman was a captain in the king's army. He was trusted and respected. He had a high position uh, and renown. He was highly educated. He had wealth, he had status, and he had leprosy. In those days, there was no cure for leprosy. So it was a death sentence, basically. And um, it was a very antisocial disease. People would shun you, wouldn't want to come anywhere near you. She's so contagious. And here's the little girl. We know the little girl was captured in a Syrian raid. She was an enemy to her captors. She was a slave. Um, she was a servant girl to the mistress. And maybe in that time when the Syrians raided, uh, she saw some pretty awful atrocities, a family and this, that and the other. Now, here's the thing. When Naaman was ill, what's your natural reaction, little girl? Justice. I hope you die slowly and painfully. That would be a natural reaction, wouldn't it? After everything that's been done to her uh, people. Why should I help him? Why should I help him? Natural reaction. If I offer, will I get in trouble? Will I get in trouble? What if he's not cured? What if he's not cured? What happens to me then? Do they kill me? Do they lock me up in a dungeon or something? Maybe the thing to do, the smart thing to do, keep quiet, don't say anything. Maybe that's the smart thing to do. Why risk what I have now? Why risk it? Yet within her, remember those ants. She had the answer. She had the seeds to take to the mistress. She was uniquely positioned. She was uniquely, uniquely positioned. Have you ever said to yourself, what am I doing here? Why am I here? Uh, I wish I was somewhere else. Life has dealt me a pretty rough hand. I'm too old. Life's passed me by. If only I'd have done this or I'd have done that. Maybe you got regrets in your life. Maybe you got bitterness in life. Woe is me. All right, you can have your pity party and that's it. That's Stop it now. Stop it. Or verse three in 2 Kings 5, the little girl revealed all to her mistress. The little girl revealed all to her mistress. She was full of faith. She said, the prophet will heal him. Not might, not possibly. She stuck her neck out. She was a little girl, for goodness sake, in this massive household that could end her life with a word. And yet she had the bravery, the courage to speak out the truth, knowing what God can do through his servant, Elisha. She said to herself, blow the consequences. 
She was bold. She was full of faith and she spoke up. She took those seeds. She took those seeds. Maybe, just maybe, you're just a wood ant. You're tiny, you're little, but you're waiting for direction to take those seeds this morning. Verse four, amazing. Naaman believed her. I mean, it's amazing not only that the little girl spoke up and had the temerity to challenge what was going on, but Naaman actually believed her. She's a little girl. Here's Naaman, this great man, and yet he believes her. That speaks to me. She must have been absolutely effervescent. She must have been overflowing with confidence. She must have been overflowing with faith. She must have been totally irresistible. She must have been not wavering one iota. She was full on determined. She was full of faith, full of the spirit, believing in God that he could do a miracle in this situation. And folks, that's a lesson to all of us. When we've got opportunities, don't shrink, don't shirk. Speak up and believe that God will answer in situations where you think it is impossible, where man thinks it's impossible. God is in the business of doing the impossible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Mission Impossible 7. We had blooming Tom Cruise out in the bay two days ago in his big 38 million yacht prancing in front of us. But it's not, we're talking about not that mission impossible. We're talking about mission that's possible with God. Hallelujah. What a saviour we serve. So maybe you're just that wood ant. Maybe you're that wood ant wondering, Lord, where do you want me to take these seeds? You've positioned me here, Lord. I don't understand it. I have no idea. Sometimes I get fed up, but I accept your will be done. Let your kingdom come in my life. Lord, I want to be a servant for you. Lord, I want to take these seeds out to make a difference to people. You know, so much, Naaman was convinced so much, he took it to the king. So not only did Naaman have to believe it, he had to believe it that he could take it to the king. Now, the little girl's testimony had gone viral in those days. It had gone to the king's court that was pretty broadcast all over the place. Don't be scared. When you spread your news, it could go viral in a good way. It's great. We can, here's, a, here's a caution for you. We can often predict wrongly people's responses before even speaking to them. You can say to yourself, there's no point in me telling them because they're going to say no. There's no point me sharing this because they're going to laugh at me. There's no point me witnessing because they're just going to reject me. There's no point. There's no point. That's the voice of the enemy trying to stop you doing what the Lord has destined for you. And yet there are butterflies, people who will be extinct, lost for eternity, if we are not prepared to take the seed to them. What are we doing about it, church? Are we sitting in our holy huddles? Are we sitting in our little Zoom meetings? Or are we prepared to get out and about and meet those 
in our daily lives, our neighbours, our friends, in the shops, in the workplaces, wherever. Lord, let your will be done. Help me to take the seed to those who need it when you tell me to and where you tell me to. Because that's the trick, friends. It's not just going out willy-nilly and casting these seeds all over the place. It won't work so well as if God says, take it to this person now or give it to this person now. And those seeds don't have to be you speaking the gospel. It could be a smile. <laughs> it could be just an act of kindness. It could be just something very simple that gets their attention. And we'll come into that. Nothing is mentioned about the little girl. But almost certainly she would have been rewarded. Her biggest reward would have been knowing that she had saved, served the Lord, following his will and witnessed. That witness would have had a tremendous effect in Naaman's households, a ripple effect. I'm conscious of the time here, Arvel. It's 11.35. Am I okay? You know, Naaman showed just how desperate he was. And there are a lot of people who are desperate out there today. COVID-19 has shown that. There are a lot of people lonely. There are a lot of people frustrated and hurt. There are a lot of people confused. My goodness, look at these crazy anti-vaccine demonstrations going on. Are they blind or are they just stupid or are they misled? People are looking at us, believe it or not, and they want to hear a story of hope. They want to, they're tired of hearing bad news, of lockdown, of no hope, of restrictions, of death, of failure, of business failure, of no money, of lost relationships. They want to hear a story of hope and you've got it. You've got a message of hope within you. You know, when Naaman trucked up in his chariot and horses, modern day equivalent of big flash Range Rover outside uh, Elisha's house, the big man turned up and God humbled him. Elisha just sent out his servant and said, go and wash yourself in the Jordan seven times. Naaman's expectations were not that. Naaman expected a different thing. He said, surely he could have come out and stood and called on the name of the Lord, verse 11, the Lord his God, and waved his hand over the infected area and taken away the leprosy. He then challenged the rivers. Aren't those rivers in Damascus cleaner than the Jordan? That horrible, mucky river. Is that you? Is that you? Are you challenging stuff all the time? Are you moaning because things aren't working out like you thought? Things aren't coming to your expectations. Think again, folks. God works in ways that you have no idea. God is doing stuff under the surface that you have no idea what is going on. But he's at work. He's not ignored you. He's not gone to sleep. God is at work on your case. It might not just be working as you think. It might not present itself in the way that you thought. It may be frustrating for you to think, why aren't you answering my prayers in this way? But God is answering your prayer. God is answering your prayer. 
I promise you that he is on your case and he will come through for you. He will come through you. His servants, like I said, the paraphrase said to him, Naaman, you're being a muppet. Why don't you just do what the guy has said? If he'd asked you to do something really hard, you'd do it. But he's told you, just go and wash yourself in the river seven times. Is that such a hard thing to do? And, you know, folks, sometimes God gives us a simple answer when we are hoping for a really spiritual, deep and holy answer. But it might just be a simple answer like, why don't you just pray? Why don't you just say hello? Why don't you just forgive him? That's too simple, Lord. Why can't you give me chapter and verse on this so I can understand your, your will? My will is forgive them. My will is let it go. My will is trust me. Trust me. And God will often give us just a simple word, and sometimes we don't want to accept it because it's not what we wanted to hear. He did, as the prophet said, and he was sealed. Final bit, and I'll be quick. I'll reverse it round. You know, sometimes God calls you to be a wood ant, and the reason I'm saying wood ant all the time is I know you'll remember it. I know you'll remember it. Sometimes he calls you to be a wood ant, but sometimes the wood ant is sent to you. i got a story here for Arvel. He'll love this one, being an ex-runner himself. Story about Jesse Owens. I don't know if you know the story about Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens was an American black athlete, very famous, very accomplished, uh, great athlete. In 1936, which was nicknamed in a bad way, Hitler's Olympics in Berlin. Jesse Owens, the renowned athlete, turns up to the Olympics, at which he won four gold medals. Hitler wanted to demonstrate at that Olympics the superiority of the Aryan race, white, blonde, blue-eyed, just like me. But uh, no, I'm not part of Hitler Youth, thank God. Jesse Owens was a gifted black athlete. Can you imagine that black athlete going into that environment of the Aryan race and how much abuse he would be getting just by being there, let alone competing, let alone beating people? He was also a Christian from a very strong Baptist family. I didn't know that till recently. Here's the thing. He became friends with Luz Long, a German athlete. Luz Long was Jesse Owens's wood ant. And I'll tell you why. At the long jump, Jesse Owens had two fouls. Now, if you know anything about athletics, you've got three jumps to reach the qualifying distance. Jesse Owens had jumped twice and failed. And he got one jump left. And if he didn't make a jump, he was out of the final. And he wouldn't get a medal, let alone able to jump properly. But amazingly, Luz Long, the German competitor, his enemy in that sense, came to him and said, Jesse, 
you're a great athlete. Move your mark back about three feet so that when you run, you'll jump way before the board, but you'll still qualify because the qualifying distance is way under what you can jump. So Jesse does this as he told, and uh, he makes the qualifying jump. And Jesse goes on to glory, and he wins the long jump with a record leap of eight metres and six. Amazing. The war came, and now they're on different sides. They were literally, in a sense, enemies. But here's the amazing thing. While in North Africa and fearing the worst, Luzlong wrote a letter. I'll read it to you. Bear with me. I am here, Jesse, where it seems there is only the dry sand and the wet blood. I do not fear so much for myself, my friend Jesse. I fear for my woman who is home and my young son, Carl, who has never really known his father. My heart tells me, if I'm honest with you, that this is the last letter I shall ever write. If it is so, I ask you something. It's something very important to me. If you go to Germany when the war is done, someday find my car, my Carl and tell him about his father. Tell him, Jesse, what times are like when we were not separated by war. I am saying, tell him how things can be between men on this earth. If you do this something for me, this thing that I need the most to know will be done. I do something for you now. I tell you something I know you want to hear, and it is me. That hour in Berlin, when I first spoke to you, when you had your knee on the ground, I knew that you were in prayer. Then I knew, then I know how I know. Now I do. I know it is never by chance that we come together. I come to you that hour in 1936 for purpose more than Berliner Olympiad. And you, I believe, will read this letter. While it should not be possible to react, to reach you ever, the purpose more ever than our friendship. I believe that this shall come about because I think now that God will make it come about. This is what I have to tell you, Jesse. I think I might believe in God. And I pray to him that even while it should not be possible for this to reach you ever, these words I write will still be read by you, your brother, Luz. The letter reached Jesse Owens a year later after Luz had perished in the war. In 2009, representatives of the two families presented medals for the long jump at the World Championships, yes, you got it, in Berlin, including Long's son, Carl Long, and Miss Dorch, Jesse Owens' granddaughter. A phenomenal legacy of what God did at that situation. The wood ant came to Jesse in his hour of need. God sent along a non-Christian to help him. And that was so revealing to me. God will not only ask you to take seed, but God would say to you this morning, prophetically, be alert and aware that God will send to you whoever he wants to, to bless you. God will send whoever he wants to reach your circumstance and situation. I'm getting emotional 
because I believe God is going to do that for you in the coming days. God is going to use circumstances and people to be with you and speak to you when you least expect it. Just like Naaman, Naaman expected it to happen a certain way, but God will use the methods he wants to, to speak into your heart. Folks, I want you to be available to what the Holy Spirit will do to you, not only through you, but for you. I want to share very, very quickly. There was a guy at my work who I'd worked with for 10 years. And when Steffi was ill, when she was 19, he came to me. He wasn't a Christian, but I'd worked with him, like I say, nearly 10 years. And I'd never really preached to him. I'd never really said much, but he knew what was going on. Just like Jesse Owens, I suppose, this guy had seen me take the knee. And um, he said to me, "We want Joy and I have been talking, that's his wife, we want to do something to help. Okay, what do you want to do that's help? Well, don't you go to that big prayer meeting on a Tuesday at Solly Hall? Uh, yeah, well, we'll come to that. I thought, they're not a Christian. What's going on? I said, uh, okay, if you want to, that's really kind of you. So they came. And during the uh, time Pastor Dave was ministering, and he spoke about, um, I want to speak to people who are having difficulty uh, having children. And I nudged this guy. And I says, that's you. That's you. Because they were going forward for IVF and they couldn't have kids. And he says, no, no, we're okay. We're here for Steffi. I says, God can do all things all at once. She says, no, no, we're here for Steffi. So the meeting went on. We went home. The guy said to me, um, about three months later, you never guess what. I says, what, mate? She says, Joy's pregnant. She says, no. She said, and I said, when did it happen? When did she conceive? And we worked it back. And it was virtually the same night that he went to the meeting. And God had done a miracle for him in that situation. And I told Pastor Dave to encourage him. And uh, Pastor Dave said to me, it's just like Cornelius. When Cornelius gave, and uh, as not as a Christian, and God rewarded him. So I said this to this guy called Neil. And I said, Neil. Pastor Dave said this. And then he went white as a sheet. I says, what's the matter, mate? He says, my, my gran used to call me Neelius. And, um, oh, my goodness. I says, I think God's on your case. And um, long story short, a few months later, he says, I've got something to tell you. I says, what is it? He says, we've been going to Alpha all these weeks, and we've both become Christian. Ha. <laughs> The wood ant came to me and was rewarded accordingly. God will send who he wants to and use you and use others for you. Folks, I just want to encourage you in that, in summing up, let your kingdom come. Understand 
your importance to God and your unique positioning. Just like Mary said at the wedding of Cana, he said, she said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And that's my message for you. Be that ant this morning. Be prepared to take the seed. Be bold knowing that he is with you. Try not to predict and outguess God. Accept that God's ways are higher and he will use anything and anyone to extend his kingdom and bring glory unto himself. And last thing, be thankful always in every season. So let's just pray together.